0: Please take your Bibles this morning and turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. We'll be reading from verse 4 to verse 20. The title of my message this morning is, As the Waters Cover the Sea. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol like death he has never enough he gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long and loads himself with pledges will not your debtor suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble then you will be spoiled for them because you have plundered many nations And the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth to cities and all who dwell in them woe to him who gets evil again for his house to set his nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm you have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples you have forfeited your life for the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire, and nations weary themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink, and pour out your wrath, and make them drunk, in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrify them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake! a silent stone arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Lord, we pray today that the meditations of our heart and the words of our lips would be acceptable in your sight today. We pray, Lord, that you would come to our hearts, come into our lives. Put your finger on the things that we need to be done with, and that you would revive us, O Lord, for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. C.S. Lewis was a British writer, a literary scholar, and an Anglican theologian. He was famous for popular apologetics, including such works as Mere Christianity and The Screwtape Letters. C.S. Lewis, who offered perhaps the most articulate explanation of the problem of pain in the 20th century, saw his arguments fade in significance as he watched the onslaught of bone cancer in his wife's body. Lewis said the following, You never know how much you really believe anything until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. Well, the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk reached just that place. When faced with the fact that God was about to raise up the evil Babylonian nation to bring judgment against the people of God, it was more than he could handle, it was more than he could take. He almost lost it. But instead of becoming an atheist or an agnostic, Habakkuk went to his watchtower to pray, to meditate, and to wait on God and to put it all together for him. He had confidence that God would send an answer soon. As Habakkuk thought about what God was doing in his world, God gave Habakkuk three truths that helped him understand how he was to live. And so today I want you to see these three truths that God gives us in his word regarding how we are to live in this fallen, sinful, and often terrifying world. My first point this morning is from verse 4 to verse 5. God calls us to live by faith. The life of faith is mentioned in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. There are two paths before us. One is the way of faith and the other is the way of unfaith or unbelief. These are the only two paths, And I know we looked at this last week, but this is an essential recap for us to understand how this flows in the the context of this passage. And we see the contrast is seen in verse 4 and verse 5 itself. The greater part of these two verses deals with the wicked. That is, those who do not believe in God, those opposed to God. And it begins, behold this that is the wicked person, is puffed up. It is not upright within him. His desires are are not upright. Then that description is followed by a description of the life of faith. But the righteous shall live by his faith. And then the passage continues. Moreover, wine is a traitor. In other words, it betrays him. He is arrogant man and never at rest his greed is as wide as sheol another word for the grave and like death he has never enough he gathers for himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples so the way of the righteous is faith in god but the way of the wicked is pride and arrogance and unrighteousness the first way submits to god But the second way does not submit to God. And Folks, there are only two realities in the world. There is God and there is Satan. There is light and there is darkness. There is the way of faith and there is the way of unbelief. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of Satan. God was saying to Habakkuk is is this. Habakkuk, there are many ways, but there is only one way that leads to God, and that is the way of faith. It is the way of faith in the true and the living God, Jehovah. And he's telling Habakkuk, you need to remember to live by faith in these difficult circumstances. In even your unbelief, you need to learn to live by faith. You must learn to trust me. You need to learn to trust my my character, no matter how confusing things will be for you, no matter the trials that you are facing. This was an important lesson that Habakkuk needed to learn. The just will live by faith. The first truth is that God calls all of us to live by faith, those who profess to be Christians. And secondly, we see in verse 6 to verse 13, and in verse 15 to verse 19, that God will punish those who don't live by faith. God will punish the wicked. God will punish the wicked. In chapter 2, God told Habakkuk that although he was going to use this wicked nation of, of Babylon to accomplish his sovereign purposes with his own people, he was also going to inflict punishment upon the Babylonians for all their wickedness. Their wickedness was not going to go unpunished. If you look closely, you will find five woes that are recorded here. I encourage you to underline the word woe every time you see it as we go through it recorded in these passages. And The prophet begins with an introduction and he concludes with these woes with a, with a conclusion which we will see. And We won't take the time to study each and every one. But I'm going to briefly go through them. I think they are pretty much self-explanatory. But it's very important for you to see this this big picture here. We see in verse 6, the woe against plundering from verse 6 to 8. But look at verse 7. Will not your debtors suddenly arise? And those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them, because you have plundered many nations." All the remnants of the people shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Basically, he's saying, Woe to the man who lives by this philosophy. I will get everything I can, and it doesn't matter how I do it. In verse 7 there, look at verse 7. The word suddenly is mentioned. That is re- referred to here to the sudden, the sudden destruction to the Babylonian power by, the, by Cyrus, the, the king of, of Persia who, who took over Babylon in 539 B.C. Overnight, literally, the kingdom of Babylon was, was taken over. God punished the Babylonians just as he promised that he would. We see, secondly, in verse 9 to verse 11, the woe to the, the greedy. Um, I don't think we really need to spend a lot of time here because I'm sure none of us are greedy Um, but I'll I'll read it through anyway, okay? Look at verse 9. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many people. You have forfeited your life, for the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond. Now this woe against greed is of course a woe um, against the Chaldeans for their greed in, in wanting to overcome the nations about them and to make the nations their own personal property. And God says that He will pull out the foundations from under these greedy Chaldeans, under the greedy person, and everything that the greedy person has invested themselves in will be swept away. And then in verse 12 to 13, we see the woe to the violent. Look at verse 12, Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that people's labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing? And basically, woe to those who trust in violence. Woe to those who trust in violence to get what they want, to achieve what they want. Woe to them. And then in verse 15 to verse 17, we see the woe, against debauchery. Look at verse 15. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your full of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you as will the destruction of the beast that terrified them. For the blood of man and the violence to the earth, to the cities and all who dwell in them. It's really a beautiful picture here that's been painted for us of how the nation under the the picture of of alcohol, the picture of drink is is shown to be intoxicating. Um, There's flattery, but ultimately it is destroyed. And we have here in verse 16, you see the figure of drink is to show the, the Chaldeans their destruction. We have here in verse 16 the different stages. Look there. Now, firstly, you yourself drink. See that first stage? And then the next thing is, is nakedness because drunkenness makes us do things that, that we would not normally do because our minds and our bodies come under the control of this, of this strong drink. And so the first step is drinking, and then the next step is, is nakedness or exposure But then the third step is not so obvious here, but we see the utter disgrace that that the Hebrew word that was related to vomit, okay? And so we see this picture of the word of God is is really full of reality. The picture of the drinking, the picture of the nakedness, and finally the the vomit of the man who was passed out because of his, his drunkenness. Woe to those who indulge in debauchery. And then lastly, we see the woe to the idolaters. Woe to the idolaters in verse 18. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a, a wooden thing, Awake to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver and there's no breath at all in this. Woe to the man who trusts in a false god, basically. Woe to the man who thinks that the forces around him are able to control him. They're able to give him life and to fulfill his desires. God was saying to Habakkuk, know that although the wicked Babylonians will be raised up and they will flourish for a while, the limit of their Prosperity is fixed by me. Their doom is, is sure. The wicked Babylonians are living on borrowed time. They are idolaters. They don't believe in the creator. They believe in created things. They worship created things. If you know your history, you know that the Babylonians, they did fall. The Persians crushed him. Like I said, Literally overnight, and Babylon became nothing but ruins, still there today. And the five woes recorded in this chapter are meant to be seen not only in the light of the Babylonians' destruction, but also as a, a universal picture in history for us to, to see that God indeed judges sin. God judges the wicked. And this destruction here, these five woes, they teach us that although evil people and wickedness may flourish for a while, they will one day be called to give an account. The wicked will not ultimately prosper. They will perish. God promises to not overlook sinful rebellion. He promises to judge sin all sin. Let this reminder of God's past judgment teach us and remind us, even in our prayers, how we are to pray. Pray that we would not fall into sin. Pray that we would be free from God's judgment. Pray that we would have our sins covered by the blood of the Lamb. Pray like Habakkuk does in chapter 3 as he looks ahead to this promised judgment here has been told about in chapter 2. Imagine what it would be like if you read the newspaper and you prayed in light of confidence in, in God's good and just coming judgment. Praying for God's judgment. That is not a, a wrong thing to do. Habakkuk did that. And the second truth is that God punishes the wicked. But the third truth we see is that God will glorify Himself? God will glorify Himself. And that's where I want to spend the most of our time this morning. In verse 14, tucked neatly between all of these woes, between all of the, the gloom, all the, the darkness there, is a, is a ray of light. Is a striking ray of light recorded for us in verse 14. Here, here God says in verse 14, for the earth Will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, verse 14 is a promise. Let me say this again. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It is a promise. Habakkuk had been worried about the future of God's kingdom. He looked around him, he saw the debauchery, he saw the idolatry, he saw the unjust civilizations punishing his own. And he was worried about the future of God's kingdom. He knew the Babylonians were going to take over, and of course he was concerned. But in the middle of all of this chaos, in the middle of this trial that he was going through, The people of God are to be reminded at this moment in their history that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In the middle of their their darkest time, they were to be reminded of the sunrise, of the light that would pierce this darkness. Just like the light coming over the horizon, the sun coming over the horizon, we ought to be reminded that one day these, these trials will pass. That one day these difficulties will be no more for the people of God, for all who trust in Him. Every nook and every cranny will someday be filled, overflowing with joy, reflecting in diamond brilliance, the new dawn sun picture the promise in the New Testament of a a new heaven and and a new earth that is coming, that is promised to us in Revelation. In Revelation 21 verse 23, the Scriptures tell us, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Revelation chapter 22 verse 5, And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. As Christians, we have confidence that that day is coming when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. There is a coming day when His glory will fill the earth and knowledge of His glory will enjoyment of his glory will cover the sea, will cover the earth like waters cover the sea. And This is what Jesus taught us to pray for. Remember, Matthew, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's going to happen one day, folks. Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes. He will be praised as Lord and Savior and King by all nations, by all tribes, by all peoples, by all languages. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. And that's why we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name in all the earth. Cause your name to be known and exalted and enjoyed as holy in all the earth, over all the earth. God, cause your kingdom to come. God, cause your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, like it's perfectly done in heaven. May it be so here on earth. We pray for this. We long for this. Look at verse 20, the last verse there in this chapter. Habakkuk says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth Keep silence before Him. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. And here we learn a very important truth. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the noise, and all the the, the interference that, that troubles us and distracts us, we need to remind ourselves, we need to keep silent and remind ourselves that God is in absolute control. And he is absolutely committed to his holiness. And we learn from Habakkuk that God can take our frustration. He can take our grief. He can take our anger. And he can take our questions. But there comes a point where where we have to recognize that God is God. And we are not. That we don't have all the answers. That we don't know everything. There comes a time where we have to stand silent before God. And silence before him acknowledges our rightful place. He gets the last word. He gets the worship that he deserves. And the end game will showcase God's holiness as we see here. He will vindicate his perfect standard by, by judging those who fail to keep his law, by those who reject his law, by those who manipulate his law. Holiness will flood the earth. And we pray, Oh God, make it so. But let me bring this together this morning with some application to help us. The knowledge that God is absolutely sovereign in our trials does not t- take away the pain, it doesn't take away even the misery that we feel at such times. But we must realize that God does have a purpose in everything. He has a purpose in everything. But what do you say when someone close to you enters into a a season of grief? What do you say to somebody who enters into a, a season of intense pain? How do you serve them? How do you counsel them? How do you offer them hope? Well, I was reading an article this week. I'll share this article on our WhatsApp group. Um, The article was written by author Eric Raymond on the TGC, Together for the Gospel Coalition website. And the title of the article was, Don't Give Them Hallmark Platitudes. Now, Hallmark is a a company that makes these these little cards, these little gift cards with these little verses on. Uh, We used to have them quite often. You you struggle to find them now. But... um, these cards have little verses on or little poems or just just some verses to, to help you or encourage you. But he says in this article, please don't settle for Hallmark when people are hurting. Instead, take a look at a book like Habakkuk and see how big God is and how He has worked to secure our abiding joy in Him. Habakkuk here is reminded of who God is. Far from being unaware disinterested, or even worse, unrighteous, God is holy. He is not only aware of what is going on, but He is presently enveloped in praise in His holy temple. Help your hurting friends to fasten their hearts and hope upon God. God is not unjust. He will vindicate His honor, and He will rescue His people. What are we to make of this physical affliction how do we process this god is a god who heals the broken he resurrects the dead and restores the creation our suffering fits into a giant stream of god's redemptive work help them to see what is coming in the future is not more pain but actual relief god makes things right god wins God wins. I want to finish with a letter that was written by Pastor Saeed Abedini to his daughter on her 8th birthday. Um, pastor Saeed is an Iranian-American Christian pastor who was imprisoned in Iran in 2012. The Islamic Republic of Iran sentenced Pastor Saeed, a former Muslim, to 8 years in prison for having Undermined the iranian government by creating a network of christian house churches and after three years in prison he he manages to send this letter to his daughter he says my dearest rebecca grace happy eighth birthday you are growing so fast and becoming more beautiful every day i praise god for his faithfulness to me every day as I watch from a distance through the prison walls and see pictures and hear stories of how you are growing both spiritually and physically. Oh, how I long to see you. I know that you question why you have prayed so many times for my return, and yet I am not home yet. Now there is a big why in your mind, you are asking Why Jesus isn't answering your prayers and the prayers of all the people around the world praying for my release and for me to be home with you and our family. Then he says to him, the answer to the why is who? Who is in control? The Lord Jesus Christ is in control. I desire for you to learn important lessons during these trying times. Lessons that you carry now and for the rest of your life. The answer to the why is who. The confusion of why has all of this happened and why your prayers are not answered yet is resolved with understanding who is in control. The Lord Jesus Christ, our God, is in control. God is in control of the whole world and everything that is happening in it is for His good purpose, for His glory, and will be worked out for good. Jesus allows me to be kept here for His glory. He is doing something inside each of us and also outside in the world. People die and suffer for their Christian faith all over the world. And some may wonder why. But you should know the answer of why is who. It is for Jesus. He is worth the price. And He has a plan to be glorified through our lives. I want you to read the book of Habakkuk. He had the same question as you. But see that the Lord answered him in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. The vision comes and doesn't delay on time. Wait for it. Mommy and I always had big desires to serve Jesus and had great vision to be used for His kingdom and for His glory. So today we pay a cost because God who created us called us to that. And so I want you to know that the answer to all of your prayers is that God is in control and He knows better than us what He is doing in our lives and all around the world. Therefore, declare as Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in Daniel 3, verse 17 and 18. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not... Let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And learn and declare, as Habakkuk did, that even if we did not get the result that we are looking for, God is still good, and we will praise His holy name. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, Though the labor of the olive may fall, fail and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and He will make me walk on my high hills. Then my dear beloved daughter, Rebecca Grace, I pray God will bring me back home soon. But if not... We will sing together as Habakkuk did. Hallelujah. Either separated by prison walls or together at home. So let daddy hear you sing a loud hallelujah that I can hear all the way here in the prison. I'm so proud of you, my sweet, courageous daughter. Glory to God forever. Amen. Kisses and blessings, dad. In our moments of deepest pain and sorrow, remember these truths from Habakkuk about how to trust in God in troubled times. Number one, God calls us to live by faith. Number two, God will punish the wicked. Number three, God will glorify Himself. Let's pray. Father, perhaps, Lord, You are preparing us for a, a great trial. Perhaps, Lord, there are people amongst us who are currently going through a great trial. But, Lord, our prayer, Lord, is that we would be people of faith, that we would respond in a way that would bring glory to your name, that we would see, Lord, that this circumstance that we are facing, this challenge, this trial that we are going through, you have allowed and that you are in control. Nothing happens without your permission. And Lord, whether it is the outcome we want or not, may we pray the prayer that Daniel did, that we will serve the living and the true God. Lord, that we would respond the way that brings you glory in our difficulties. So Father, we pray that you would help us. Lord, please burn in our hearts, imprint on our eyeballs, Lord, eternity. And may we look to you, the one, Lord, who one day, Lord, will come, and we look forward to that day where there will be no more sin that we have to battle with. There will be no more tears where we will be perfectly with you, with the rest of the saints, worshiping you. We look forward to that day. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. While we're on this earth, Lord, help us to live for eternity by by sharing this good news with others, by pointing them to the one who is in control, by pointing to the one who has all victory, by the one who has defeated sin and death. Help us, Lord, to be sharing this hope, this living hope with those around us who are still dying in their sins, who are still struggling with grief and depression, those who don't have a hope. We beg you, Lord Jesus, help us, Lord, to be vessels of honor that bring glory to our Savior. Use us this week, even, Lord, to share the wonderful, glorious gospel those who are still lost in darkness. And again, thank you, Lord God, for sending your Son, Jesus, that we may be reconciled to the God of this universe. May we live for you, Lord, the way you died for us, unashamed of the gospel. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.